back to the Lord. And that's where God is at. He said, I gave you everything you need. Just like if you go to the hospital, Trogon, and you got a cut on your cheek and they need to sew that part of your cheek. But they need to give you the tetanus shot so that you don't get it infected. But the second they start sewing, you keep turning your head. You keep turning your head. You're not allowing yourself to be healed. That's how we are with God. We wake up in the morning, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. Something walk by, we looking. Or thank you, Lord, thank you for the friends at school. No, no, no. See, what we do is we keep turning our heads toward what we see in the world and we give into that which we see in the world instead of staying focused on God. What we gotta understand right now is do you see how many people are gone? You can never say nothing else to the people that are gone. Our parents are gone, your parents. Our dad is gone. We can't say nothing to him. My wife's dad is gone, her, 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 her dad, her flesh and blood dad. We can't say nothing to them. But that's where we're messing up because when we can do the will of God, we tend to keep on looking in the wrong direction. What I would encourage even you, David, is the people that's, that's debating that word with you, that's the enemy. Because the Bible says do not debate the word. See, you can defend the word. So you're doing right by that. You're defending the word. But when they start trying to say, but what about this and what about that? You say, go ahead, God. He wrote it. I didn't even write it. I just was fortunate enough to read it. If you had a coloring book and you opened your coloring book and it's Mickey Mouse and somebody next to you see your coloring book and say, why is it shaped like that? You don't know. You just got the book. And it's up to you to color the book if you want to or you don't have to. But the truth of the matter is, that's how people are about the word of God. Why does it say that? Why is it? Well, it's been written for thousands of years recorded by sinners, knowing it's written for thousands of years, yet still they're asking us in 2020, why? Like you wrote it, or like I wrote it. So the thing is to really just maintain one thing, children, focus on God. Don't, don't you dare worry about those people at school. The thing is how you counteract what the enemy's trying to do is when you're at home on your knees, you remember, you don't have to say a whole lot Lord, help them in need at my school. Help them in need at our jobs. Help them in need in our city, in our town, in our bloodline, in our families. Help them, Lord. And then know that God is able to help them because you asked. He said, when you ask, know that it is already done. That's very difficult. You know how it's difficult is because we think we have to get into a certain mental position in our minds to accept that it's done. And we need to feel some kind of energy toward it being done. But the Bible says, know it. So the energy you need to feel is before it even gets comes out of your mouth. You gotta say, Lord, I know you're able and I know you're gonna do it for your purpose. See, when we don't see the result, it's because we haven't lined our minds up with what God is trying to tell us. Our mind needs to be lined up before we're praying. That God is already able to do it. If he saves you and he blessed you with his spirit and he's merciful to you and he lets you, what I would consider is get away with sin. See, we know that we don't get away with it, but the blood of Jesus washes it away. It removes it. You're safe in Jesus. The Bible says there is therefore what? No more condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. And you wonder why it says that. This is why it says it because you're going to make some condemning mistakes. The flesh is going to sin. You know you don't want to sin, but sometimes it happens. But being in Jesus, you consistently get to move on without the beating, 
and the punishment that comes with sin, you get to move on. I'm standing here today because of that. Because I got to move on. My sins didn't hold me bound. I said, sorry, please help me. And then the devil said, but you did it 11 trillion times. Well, at least it was spread it out through the days where the Bible says, forgive your brother 70 times, seven times. So 77 times, seven times, the number doesn't matter. It's 500 and something, by the way. But the number doesn't matter. What God said is forgive every single time anyone does anything. Then he says, bless your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Pray for them. If your enemy's hungry or thirsty, give it to them. What God is saying is, if you're with me, you don't have enemies. They, you, they consider you an enemy. You can't consider them an enemy. And, and then you got to understand God said that. And then you say, but well, they're wicked and they're unrighteous. Well, the Bible says, bless them. The Bible says, give to them. The Bible says, pray for them. And this is why. The world itself belonged to humans. God made it for us. And the animals were here to supply us and for us to have dominion over them. The food was here so we could sustain the life that God gave us. We were never supposed to have an end. We were supposed to live in paradise for eternity. The devil was cast out of heaven. He made his way here. He tricked the woman, tricked the snake. God took the legs off the snake and cursed the woman with pain. And the man followed, so the man has to suffer by working in that field that God gave him to eat out of. Now you got to labor in it because the enemy is here. But here's why we have to do the part of forgiving. This is why we have to do the part of mercy. This is why we have to feed them. It's because if we're on earth, God is here, and the enemy made his way here, deceiving us, causing us to have the patterns of sin, it's not our pattern. It is a pattern he taught us. So God don't want humans who were innocent at first to hate one another because all you're doing is continuing the pattern of the enemy. He wants you to pray for them because every single soul is an innocent soul bound by the devil because he tricked us. And the angels were that were in heaven is because that fell out because he tricked them. So God wants us as a team, a family, to bond together and say, God, I want that soul that's bound by the enemy to come out of that so that we can have another person on our team. Because earth and heaven needs to come together and smash the enemy's plan. You can't break the enemy if you haven't brought heaven down. If heaven meets earth, there's nothing that can get between that. And if the devil's already here, you bring heaven against earth. With earth, you already crush the enemy. That's because you got direct access to heaven, direct ability to talk to God, and he himself will cast out the devil. That's why we have to stand in that. So every Muslim, even the guy on the phone, all of them, he's a victim of the deceit of the devil. And your mind has to be strong enough to say, God, we need more soldiers. We need more saints, more people that is able to take away one more person out of the devil's hand. You got to take them back. And you can't take them with your own personal words. You said it earlier to me, David. If you're preaching this, they can't deny it. Here's what they can't. Nope. Even when their mouth and their human mind is denying it, the divine God that made the soul can't be denied by the soul he made. So keep speaking it even when the body's reacting funny. When the body starts reacting funny, I mean the soul is starting to try to fight back. Keep speaking that word. Keep speaking that word. Keep speaking that word. Until... God is delivering them, and they're set free. It's going to happen. Your mission as a man of God and as a woman of God 
is to fight in a battle. We're in an army. And in this army, you have to have on the armor of righteousness, faith, shield, sword, the word of the spirit, the spirit of the word, the sword of the spirit is the word of God. You have to have those things. So when the enemy comes to say something stupid in your ear or even distract you with those people, you got to be able to put up that shield of faith and say, my God is able to deliver, redeem, and renew, and restore. And when he tries to have you debate against those people, you got to have that sword and say that God told me to bless them, pray for them, and feed them, and give them something to drink. God don't want me having no enemy. So when I see the reflection of an enemy inside of a person, I know the devil bound the person. And the only way to get the person out of the hands of the devil is Jesus Christ. And I need to use the name of Jesus so that the devil is out of the way. That's how you got to do it. You can't, you can't let him have that man. That man deserves a chance to go to heaven with you. He deserves to go to heaven with you. He, need, he deserves to come to a place of life where he said, oh my God, I didn't know there was so much light on this side. And that's why you were acting like that. And then what he'll do is he'll have the confidence to go back into that same battle and fight the victory just like you. Those battle raps is all God's word. That's you preaching the gospel. I was telling somebody, maybe even my sister, I was like, I don't know how he's getting these verses out like this. He's phenomenal with the preaching through the rap. I can't do it. I know this by head long. I can go from here to here with my eyes closed, put some lyrics and a beat on, and you're going to see me falling. I'm going to fall over trying to rap sound as though I sound like Sir Mix-a-Lot. So it ain't going to happen. But you got it. Because you're able. Your confidence is through the roof for Jesus. Keep doing that. Don't worry about those folk. They ain't going to win. All right, let me go back. Verse 7. Your country is desolate. And I ain't even going to read the whole thing. I'm going to read down to 18, 19, 20. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your land, strangers devour it in your presence. And it is desolate as overthrown by strangers. And the daughter of Zion is left as a cottage in a vineyard, as a lodge in a garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city, except the Lord of hosts had left her uh, left unto us a very small remnant, we should have been as Sodom and we should have been likened unto Gomorrah. Now God is saying from you allowing the enemy in, from you allowing what we're doing today in our lives, in this society, you know full well when you open the door to the enemy, no, you might not even know, but this is what happened. We all can contest to this. When you open the door to sin, things started to go worse. Things went wrong. You knew that you didn't have as much as you needed in your health, in your mind, in your finance, in your life, in your mind, in your sleep, in your peace. You just did not have enough to say, I feel good today. That's what happened. We stopped feeling good. Me and you went through almost the same thing. We went through a point where we had anxiety so bad, we were gripped to a geographic location. Couldn't even leave the area. I was stuck, same location, right around the corner. That's when the stronghold of the enemy comes and takes us because we opened the door. The Bible says a besieged city, a city with a gate knocked down and anything can come in and out of it. The Bible says a cottage in the middle of a cucumber field. Cucumbers hardly grow any time of the year, so your cottage is useless because there's nobody in it. He said, you got rid of me and expected to succeed. 
you've opened the door and now you're empty by the enemy because the enemy came in we thought he was going to be good to us the enemy took away our time our energy our strength and our capability because we opened the door God said, I was already good to you. When you're first born, you ain't never did no drug, no sin, no touchy feeling, none of that. But the second we do it, that is what begins to consume us. And little by little, it pulls us away from God. It pulls you away from God. And the more you come away from God, the more you suffer in your body. And the worst part is you suffer in your mind. Besieged, overthrown, taken and that's what the city. He says, liken unto Sodom and Gomorrah. He's warning us of one thing. He ain't talking about Sodom and Gomorrah in the sense of the people in it. He's talking about it was burned down. It was burned to the ground. He said, we're liking unto those that he'll take and cast away. That we'll take and burn. Because we ourselves made the decision to be besieged. To be taken down. To be overthrown. That's what God doesn't want from us. He's telling us in the beginning, I already gave you what you need. As a baby, you don't speak. When you learn to speak, you learn good and bad words from either punishment or praise. Good job or no, don't say that. You learn obedience from things you suffer. Don't touch that. Oh no, you can get that. Now you got an understanding. But as we get older, we become uncomfortable with the boredom of being good and the boredom of having a good life. So we want to test it out. We want to sample some of the things that the world is bringing. And once you sample it, you drink a little alcohol, you don't feel good. You smoke a little, you cough the first few hundred times until you adjust your body to it. But once you adjust your body to it, your body's off the adjustment of God. I did it. I smoked for a long time. And I did a lot of that stuff. I drank, I did it all. But it kept me away from my Redeemer. I'm redeemed today because he called me back. And we'll get there. Okay, let's go to, uh, let's go ahead to verse 10. Thank you. Thank you very much. And it says, hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. See, he didn't change their name. He didn't change their name. He's not talking about Israel. He's calling Israel Sodom. And give ear unto the law of our God, ye people of Gomorrah. He called the city Israel Sodom, and the people he called Gomorrah. He said, I'm going to burn this city, and I'm going to burn you. I need you to listen now. Because if you want to avoid what's inevitable, I am fire. I am going to touch the earth and it's going to consume. Because the Bible says nothing can stand in the presence of God. Nothing. Nothing. The Bible says the stars flee at the presence of God. The earthquakes, and the Bible says, and it melts. We're talking about, oh, there's a volcano erupting. Well, God must have made his way there because it says the mountain melts. Nothing can stand in the presence of God. Now, if God was meeting people on mountains in the old time, then why wouldn't he want to reminisce a little bit and meet on the mountain in these times? But they melt because the mountains can't stand. Oh, no, the lava's coming. No, God was there. He was there, and that's why he's showing you the evidence of himself because he's not going to say something he can't prove, and he's not going to say something you can't prove you got to be able to prove that God did what he said he's going to do through his evidence. That's his evidence. Amen. So he said to them, listen, listen, people I'm going to burn. 
He says, to what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me, saith the Lord? I am full of the burnt offerings of rams. See, we talked about this earlier. This is what we talked about earlier, yeah. Burnt offerings of rams and the fat of uh, fed beasts. And I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of he goats. When ye come to appear before me, who hath required this at your hand? to tread my courts. God is saying this right here. I taught you how to do it in Leviticus so you'll understand the sacrifice I got to make. I'm showing you how to do it over and over because you got endless supply. I have one son. I'm going to have to let you kill him. I'm going to have to let you take Jesus, but I'm going to have you do it over and over and over with endless supply. Because I want you to see what it feels like to sacrifice something you need and something you want. Constantly. But then they kept on and they opened the door. This is how you know. They opened the door. Come on in, prostitute. Come on in, drunkard. Come on in, people that's going to fist fight and steal and rob and murder. Come in. And watch how we do this thing for God. And when we do it, we're okay. See, we're going to do it and we're okay. Mm, cut it, pour the blood, put it over here, put the fat over there, cook it for God, cook the meat, now we separate it, the priest get it first, now we can eat it. All they were doing was going through a ritualistic process and having a party after they had already spit in God's face through sin. That's all they were doing. They were not really serving the Lord. He said, who told you to keep doing this? If I was your God, you would have known I've already changed gear. I did not want any of it from the beginning. I was showing you how to sacrifice. I wanted to talk to you. I just wanted you to say something to me and I would say something back. But who told you to keep killing these things and putting this blood here? You're killing yourselves with the sins you're doing, but you're trying to atone for it, Catholic Church, by having day of ash. Put it on your forehead. Ooh, we made it. You didn't make it. Because you're not having the conversation. That's all he wanted was the conversation. And let's go ahead. Where were we? Thank you, God. Bring no more vain ovulations. Don't bring your sacrifice to me. Incense is an abomination unto me. The reason why he says incense is an abomination to me, because he said your prayers is a sweet-smelling savor in my nostril. He wants to hear you pray. It even smells good when a saint is praying to God, and when a sinner is repenting, it smells good. It fills up the room. Because it feels good when everybody want to feel good with you, and God is into that. He said, I don't want your incense. You're forcing me to smell this nasty stuff because you're out there sinning, but you want me to have the same effect that I have when I hear you pray. No, I don't want that. Keep it. The second part of uh, verse 13. The new moons and the Sabbaths the calling of assemblies, that's going to church. The Sabbath, oh, you need to rest. Rest from sin? No, you don't. You need to rush from sin. Hmm. The Sabbaths and the, the calling of the assemblies, I cannot away with. It is iniquity, even the solemn meeting. God is saying, I can't put away the new moon, nor can I put away the Sabbath, because I took a break. But it is iniquity unto me because of the people involved in it. He don't want the action. He want the people. Then he'll, he'll like the action. 
He don't care about that. You read later in the Bible, you'll understand he don't even care about the action. He'll let you do it and not do it. He said, the ones that do it, they do it unto me. The ones that don't do it, they don't do it, and it's still unto me. He don't care about the action. He wants you. He wants you and me and us. He wants us. He wants our attention. And it says, the, your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hateth. They are a, ter a trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. Because see, the thing is, God created them, so he still got to deal with them. He made the opening of the Sabbath day for wrestling. If a bad kid come in, and a good kid come in, and a bad kid and dirtied up the new outfit, and they sit down and they want some water, God is still going to give them the water. He still got to deal with it, but he hate it. Because now you're dirtying up the carpet. You're dirtying up the room. You didn't listen to the rules and instructions, so now you have to, he's, he hate it, but he still deal with it. In verse 15, and when you spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. And then we're going to go to verse 16. I'm, I'm going to stop here for a second. Because when he's talking about that, he's talking about that sin. Your hands are dirty from sin. When you're doing bad things, God knows. He already knows. He can see all of it. He wants you to change you so y'all can have a conversation. But God then got so desperate to love you that he wants to talk to you while you're dirty. He's like, okay, I can't take it no more. I cannot take it no more. These dirty folks are not going to listen. They're not going to figure it out. Hmm. They're raising their hands to me. Hallelujah, thank you. But they're dirty. i got to do this every time. I can't look at that. But now i got to make an option for you. Because the Bible says we're sin abound. That means grow. We're sin continue to expand. When sin continue, when people, more people begin to do sin, the Bible says even grace more so abound. When the enemy starts taking over territories, God hovers over the territory. His grace abounds even more because he wants to save the region. So when there's sin, there's more God standing right there. That's the way out. When you feel like, oh man, I am so sunk, that's where you're at your best point because God is available more for the sinner than for the saint. He lead the 99. So therefore, when you're at the lowest point, the Bible says, one, one man in the Bible says, if I made my bed in hell, God is there. If I took wings in the morning and flew away with the sun, behold, the Lord is there. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing can take you away from his presence. He runs the show. The enemy has no power over you when you're in God. But when you step out, that's when he got you. That's when he takes over. That's when he takes over. And so God made an option. Here it is, verse uh, 16. He says, wash you. He's telling you to do it now. He already can cleanse you, but there's more in the New Testament. We'll get there by and by. We need to understand this here. Wash you, make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. So what God is saying is this. I'm going to give you a new opportunity that I haven't even gave before. Stop sacrificing right now. Stop sacrificing the animals. He doesn't have to say it. Because if you got to wash your hands, that means blood is on them. Mm. He's saying wash your hands and make yourself clean. You are physically taking the steps to sin. 
It's not the devil. See, God is showing you right here where we as humans make the mistake. He's showing us right here where the enemy is not even involved in this. It's us. Yep. He said, you wash your hands. Yep. Make yourself clean. You stop doing what you know you got to stop doing. Yeah. And he says, and then do evil no more. No more backbiting and bickering and ripping people apart. Amen. No more worrying about them. Because if God said pray for them, bless them, feed them, give them something to drink, our mind state has to change from saying, oh, this person's doing this to me at school. Oh, this person's doing this at work. Oh, this person's saying and doing this. Now we need to say, hallelujah, God, the people that are in need of you, just like I am in need of you, Lord, please help them like you're helping me. Bless them like you're blessing me. Amen. Transform them like you're transforming me. Because what we got to understand is how deep in sin we were. My wife wasn't born no Christian. She tried other religions as well as the Buddhism. God came and saved her out of the pit without us having to hit her in the face with the Bible. We didn't have to walk around with, oh, you're making a mistake. No, God want to love us. And he says we're making the mistake. He told us to love one another. Because if you do those things that the Bible say do, loving that enemy, they get to see Christ. He's invisible to them unless they see you doing it. Amen. And when they see a Christian walking through the suffering of being talked about, persecuted, put down. I hear those horrible things they say to you on that rap. That break my heart. Hatchet the demon. That boy is saying some, boy, he can rap though. But he says some ruthless, mean, disrespectful stuff. But you didn't say no hateful thing to him. No, 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 no. You said you're going to have to battle my God. And you brought forth the word of your God. And ain't nothing nobody can do about that. Amen. Nothing nobody can do about that. That's what we got to do. God said, love them, pray for them, bless them, do it. That's simple. So when they see you doing it, they see in Jesus. They get to see him finally. This is what they're talking. This is working. Because if they're doing it, and I'm slapping them and beating them. If they're doing it, then obviously this is what this is what it's really about. This is what it's really about. So he wants us to take the initiative. That's what it really said. Take the initiative to do better now. And then let's keep on going. That was verse 17. I'm going to reread verse 17. Learn to do well. What? You got to use the restroom? Uh, right over here. By that light, that second light that's on, that's the restroom. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Meaning, and, and it sounds tough when it says seek judgment. Seek judgment. That means the ability to know what God is and is not willing to deal with. That means to know what God will and won't punish you for. That is to know what is going to work and what's not going to work. Judgment. Proper understanding. Using proper judgment. Just knowing what's right, knowing what not to do, knowing what to do. It says seek judgment. It says, relieve the oppressed. If a person is bound and they don't know what to do and they got a problem, how do you relieve the oppressed in our time? Anybody? Do you know how you would relieve somebody who's oppressed in any way? Anyway, if you can come up with a way you're oppressed and God relieve you, how would you relieve the oppressed? 100%. Pray for them. That's why the Bible says, bless them and pray for them. Jesus Christ said, pray for them that do wrong to you, that are evil. Bless them that curse you. You said it. Pray for them. 
Because your prayers is a blessing to them. Your food is going to help nurture them, showing Christ. Because remember what he did whenever he had a multitude with him? He didn't walk around doing whammies and magic. No, he fed them first. He looked that food up, prayed, God multiplied Amen. it, he spread it out, they ate good, and then he sent them on their way or preached to them. You feed them. You feed them so they can see what Jesus is like when they don't have it. You're the multiplication of it. Amen. You are that multiplication. Amen. You're like, what will God do it now? He is doing it. You got food in your fridge. Put some in your backpack and walk it to a person who don't got it. You'll see that miracle because that is the miracle. Mm -hmm. You don't have to hold it up. There are too many grocery stores that have to hold up a bag of biscuits and say, Lord, multiply these biscuits, turn them into cornbread. You don't have to. Just go buy the cornbread and feed the people that ain't got the money. That is the multiplication of it. That's why he says, go sell what you have. And spread it out to those in need. He's saying, take some of what I gave you and multiply it and give it out. That's God right there. That's how you relieve the oppressed. You pray for them. And then it says, and judge the fatherless. It's saying those that are without the parental guardian, the father actually, those that are without the parental guardian don't know how to be a man because our dads teach us how to be a man. But when we don't have that dad, we have the word of God that teaches us how to be a man of God. His man. See, now we know how to be his person, his adult. So what we got to do is judge those that are without a father by teaching them the same judgment of character we have to come to the knowledge of. If you had to judge between right and wrong, and you got it right, how to do what's right, and leave alone what's wrong, you need to take that to the fatherless because they need it. Mm. They need to know how to get out of that situation. And that's how you help fix that situation. And it says, and, and let me see, plead for the widow, the lady who lost the, dad, the husband, our mother, Ain't nobody listened to women back in the day, and they hardly listen to them now. God is saying, when you see the injustice done unto the young and the old and the middle-aged woman, you be the man and stand in front and say, hey, what is it going to take for you to do it for them if I'm here? See, God wants you to stand in the way and begin to take that, that, that barrage of pain that comes to a woman who don't have a covering. When a woman is without a covering, nobody's going to listen to them. God said, you be the covering because I'm your covering. So when they see you, they're going to see Jesus. When you stand up and say, help this woman, she ain't got no husband, they're going to see Jesus. Because Jesus will do it for you. He stood in the gap for all of us. He gave up his life for all of us. And he wants us to do that for them. Okay, that's verse uh, 17. Let's go to 18. Here's the reason why God changed his opinion about the sacrifice. Because he wanted a conversation. He says, come. He wants you to just come on. Take you dirty. I'll take you dirty. That's how good God is. He's like, I'll take you dirty. The Bible even said, while we were yet in sin, Christ died. Think about this. And I, before I read that verse, I'll think about this. My son is back there in the baby seat, car seat. I go to a bank. The bank is being robbed and overthrown and the people are being beat. And it's a whole bunch of hostages. And I know it's a bad place because there's bad people in it. And I take my son and I go to the roof of the building and I pop it open. And I say, let everybody out. Here's my son. 
And I drop my boy down in there. And I stand there and I watch them beat him and scourge him and do him wrong, ultimately stabbing him in the hands, stabbing him through his feet, stabbing him in his side, bloodying his face and killing him. But it sets everybody free. Everybody gets to come out of the bank. No one's guilty anymore. I paid the debt. And the people that are in the bank that killed my son don't even know his blood was so clean that when it touched them, they can be redeemed. So when they go to court with my son's blood on his hands, I'm the judge. And I say, oh, that's my son's blood. Ah, forgive him. I forgive you. That's why I gave him. And through that blood that cleanses, we're resurrected. Because Jesus is the resurrection. You get the blood of resurrection on you? The blood of life? See, we missed the point. God, our Father, says, I am love. And Jesus Christ says, I am life. Love produces life, and life brings you back up. Love gives you life. Because if the Father didn't give them, we wouldn't have them. The Father is love. The Bible says in, Acts, uh, uh, in St. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. But what we got to understand is God himself is that love. And he gave his son life into the world and said, go ahead and bury him. Bury him. And the sad part about it is Jesus is on the cross. And the Bible says the father turned his back. And Jesus is looking at him. Father, why have you forsaken me? Look what they're about to do. And the Bible says that Jesus gave a loud voice with a loud voice and gave up the ghost. Now, Jesus let us know at one point, at any time, I could have got off this cross. He said, I could have called legions of angels out of heaven to defend me. I could have made this tree alive. I could have turned this tree into barbecue and had a good meal. I could disappear right now and reappear behind all of you 100 feet tall. But I stayed up there because the devil made a mistake. He tempted me in all things. Remember the Bible says that? I was tempted in all things. All things. But yet without sin. Every time, and I said this the other day, every time you're tempted, the sin starts here, then it makes its way here. Once it's made its way here, it's in you. Jesus Christ was so smart that he let himself be tempted of all things. So that when he's on that cross, all things is on the cross with him. And when he died, all things died with him. And when he went into the grave, all things went into the grave with him. And when he took the keys, all things was buried in that grave. Nothing can get out now. He tricked the devil. Oh, man, look at that. That bread do look good, right? Oh, man, oh, man. I might want a wine. Mm, that wine, pretty good. He tricked them. He tricked them. He let them trick. He let them. So that way, when we get the blood on us, the blood is so smart and so, one word, retroactive, that it automatically knows the sin. And when the blood gets on you, it, the blood already says, I whoop that sin. Let me make you whole again. Amen. There's nothing going to outdo you. And this is how you get the blood. The Bible says, those that are baptized in Christ have, put them on. No longer it is you that live, but it is Christ in you that lives. And it says when you die, when Jesus died and you're baptizing him, you die 
with the Lord and you're risen with the Lord. It's him that's alive in us today. He's the reason why we breathe. That's the reason why when we don't want to sin, when we do sin, we get grieved. The Bible said Jesus was a man of sorrow, acquainted with grief. He's grieved by sin. That's why you're not consciously comfortable with it. You, people that walk by and shoot people in the head, bow and go home and eat breakfast, and they don't got Jesus. You can't blame them. They don't know. They're messed up. But if they had Jesus, they'll understand. So let me read, let me read verse 18. Come and let us reason together. This is God talking to anybody. Saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, that is that filthy blood, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be like crimson, they shall be as wool. If ye be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if ye refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with the sword. I'm going to stop there. Here's the thing. Our sinful nature corrupts us, makes us dirty, makes us unclean, makes us torn and unrighteous. But God himself said, come, let us reason together. He's willing. He's, he's not afraid of your sin. He watched it with his own people. He's not nervous of it, and it doesn't keep you from him. And his, your sin don't block you from God. He said, come, let us reason together. Though they be like scarlet, I'll make it white as snow. Though it be like crimson, I shall make it as wool. And he says, this is the condition of me doing that. If you be obedient to me saying come. I'm saying come. Be obedient to that. And if you be willing. Are you willing to come? Are you obedient to that? He said that it be white as snow and as wool. He said, but if you don't, you rebel and refuse you be devoured with the sword, which is common. People are all devoured by the sword, nevertheless. So, I guess the message today is, if you be obedient and willing, come to the Lord. He, he's not afraid and worried or disgusted by what we do or what we've done. He's seen it all. He watched people kill his son. What's worse than that? Anything else other than that is a minute. Oh, this person just hurt, slapped this lady, did this, or raped that. God is saying, I watch my boy get slaughtered for that sin. So I can't judge that sin. That's me going against what I've allowed. I watched Jesus die for that sin. Now I need you to understand that I am forgiving that sin. I don't care about that sin. Because first, this is the blessing. Before God brought forth this invitation to have a conversation, he first called him Sodom and Gomorrah. Those were the people that the Bible says in the Old Testament further in that he did not give them space of repentance, meaning he didn't even warn them. That's a tough situation. He didn't even warn them. The angels called fire down and killed them all. Killed all of them. He didn't even want them. But before he even gave the invitation of prayer, because that's what he's saying, come pray. And the prayer itself is God's invitation to save you. He said, pray, I'm going to do it. He said, if you believe, you shall receive it. The second you pray and ask the forgiveness for everything you've done, it's forgiven immediately.
because God's mercy is renewed every single day. It says it. That's because God wants to give human beings a, a secret cheat code every day because he doesn't want to ultimately kill you. He don't want you to burn forever. He knows this is temporary and your, our body's got to go. But he does not want to condemn you. So every day he says you're forgiven. What do you choose to do today? Ah, well, say sorry. You don't obey. Say sorry. He wants to give you a chance when you wake up. And if you make a mistake, he wants you to apologize. He wants you to turn away from the things that keep you away from him so you will have his protection. The ritualistic aspect of what people consider righteousness is not necessary. What's necessary is your conversation with God, your repentance in your heart, and your actions toward living the life that God called us to live. All right, so that's it. That's the message. But if y'all got questions, y'all want to say stuff, that's fine. Go ahead. Pretty much covered it all. Man, it's all God, bro. God, I love you. It's God. It's, it's years to come. We got so much, David, we got so much to work on together. Got so much to work on together. Because God is sending these very treacherous people.